We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. What happened to my voice there? It inflected upwards. <laughs> I'm Chad Smith, the associate editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you just a little bit more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the mouth of the South, Sheena Smith, who gives us that more casual perspective. Sheena, you liked your wrestling nickname this week. I don't care for it. I don't you laughed? Be... You, you don't know, well, do you know who Jimmy, like Jimmy a... Hart is? The mouth of the South? No, I don't want my nickname to have to be with the word mouth. And I'm not from the South. so uh, no. Southern California. Nobody said it was the South of the U.S. So, all right. <laughs> on okay. today's show, on today's show, uh, Sporting Kansas City demolished the Portland Timbers. There's lots of SKC injuries to talk about, unfortunately. The KC current lose again. And, of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But, Sheena, I'm exhausted. How are you feeling right now? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. You, you're such a liar. The whole day you've just been <laughs> saying how tired you are. Uh, we're recording on Monday on Memorial Day. We have lime washed, if you, you all are familiar with this technique, the, the brick on our house. Probably to the dismay of many of our neighbors turned our beautiful red brick into white brick. But we like that classic white and black look. So what can you do? But uh, I'm exhausted. I've climbed an 18-foot ladder. I can't tell you how many times. And I'm just glad that I didn't fall off of it and hurt myself. I'm, physical labor is clearly not my thing. And uh, it'll be good to get back into the office and not have to do manual labor anymore. I'd rather still be off work. So that's where we differ. Well, I mean, I don't want to work, but like <laughs> if I have to work, I'd rather not do physical labor. I'm just not cut out gotcha. for it. I'm, I'm made to use my mouth and my typing fingers and things like that. I'm a talker. <laughs> I'm a talker and a typer. I don't want to be uh, yeah, you physically are. You, laboring. You talk a lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Y'all, uh, I always tell people at my work, I, I teach for a living uh, insurance and they're always blown away. I say, oh, you all think I talk a lot? You should be at my house. I can't get a word in edgewise sometimes. That's a lie. <laughs> you don't think that's ever true? Maybe sometimes, but you're loud, so you can get your words in. Oh, okay. That's fair. I can't be loud. All right. Well, let's get to the <laughs> soccer part of the show. <laughs> that was an interesting little banter we had mm -hmm. there. Let's talk Sporting KC. We have another victory on our hands, 4-1 to one over the Portland Timbers on a warm Sunday afternoon at Children's Mercy Park. It's the beginning of four out of the next five games being at home for Sporting KC, and they capitalized by picking up the victory, all three points. It started a little shaky, though. Uh, the, in the eighth minute, the Portland Timbers scored on a long throw, just kind of flicked into the box and driven home by Bowley. I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name. Hope I never have to think about him again because Portland has gone down and we don't have to worry about those guys anymore. But were you nervous at all, Sheena, when that first goal went in so early on? I was a little nervous just because it kind of came out of nothing. Like sporting have been dominating and then bully which is i believe how the broadcast was saying his name as well he just kind of got the ball and yeah suddenly they scored so i was just like oh no here we go again but i think after we scored our first goal I was feeling a little bit more okay with the situation in the team. Yeah, before we move on to our goal, I want to talk about this goal they gave up because to me, the long throw, so they, they have a player, Claudio Bravo, who who makes a long throw from that side of the field. And I assume he could obviously cross the field and do it on the other side, but he's the guy that takes their throw-ins anyway. It made me, one, nostalgic for when Matt Beasler used to launch long throws all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. And then two, it it left me thinking like why does sporting not know how to defend this they weren't setting up like it was 
a set piece. It, how is it any different than a free kick that could be lofted into the box? They they weren't set properly, like their defenders were in a line, and then the midfielders were in another kind of amoeba line ahead of them, and they just didn't look like they were ready for the possibility. It was like one-on-one. Each attacker had a defender on them, and there was nobody extra to deal with the ball. And you got a guy throwing it in. You got a goalkeeper back. Like, I don't know. They they didn't defend it very well. Luckily, it didn't matter, as you said. But any other thoughts on the, the long throw, the sloppy goal? Yeah, I do miss Matt Buesler because he had a really good throw and I don't feel like we have anyone with an exceptionally strong throw in that stands out so that's kind of a bummer yeah it makes me wonder can you train those muscles like maybe do some sort of like uh reverse curl where you like pull the the dumbbell over your head to work on that ability to launch a long throw or there's that guy up in the northland remember we shared this on our instagram the other day that he does the cartwheel th- the cartwheel is not the right thing like a forward flip throw in where he like flips forward, he plants his feet because you got to keep your feet on the ground and then launches the ball and he could send it like halfway down the field. I was like, there there has to be somebody on the team they could teach to do that and just kind of sneak it out every once in a while or even just develop a long throw. Having a long throw would be a, a great weapon. You should research it and then teach it to our daughter and then we can test the theory out. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to be able to do that with my <laughs> my major athletic ability that I possess. Obviously, right? you can do whatever you put your mind to, Chad. I appreciate the confidence. All right, let's talk about the goal that made you feel better, though. Eric Tommy tied the game up in the 33rd minute. Uh, ironically, Marinos Johnny's got an assist on this, but he passed it to Tommy. Tommy proceeded to dribble into the corner, beat a guy, beat another guy, dribble towards the edge of the box, and just send a rocket back into the back kind of corner side netting area caught the keeper off guard after the game some of the guys were saying hey did johnny russell teach you that because it looked very johnny russell-esque he hit it with his left foot and tommy is is right footed so really well taken goal and took the pressure off because for me i agree with you it looked like sporting was dominating the first five six minutes of the game before they gave up that eighth minute goal and then They went right back to dominating, but I was like, are they going to be able to break down Portland? They play in a formation, you'll like this unit, they call it the Christmas tree, the 4-3-2-1. It's like a pyramid. It builds from the bottom up, and it's just so defensive and so ugly at times. But when that goal went in, I felt like it was there for the taking. Sporting was in control for the vast majority of the game. I agree with that. It was also interesting because Tommy in a lot of the earlier games of the season was trying to do it all on the field and wasn't necessarily successful. And this was, I feel like the first time we saw him do everything on the field. I mean, he fought off a few players and he, it's funny that you said it was like a Russell-esque because I thought his goal reminded me of Zussi. And like when Zussi has those power kicks from outside the box. So that was who I was comparing him to. Okay. You know, I think that's fair because Russell probably isn't known for hitting him from too far out for the most part versus yeah. Zussi definitely is. Although Zussi's good for like one of those a season pretty much. And I think Russell, he gets obviously gets more goals, but he does yeah. tend to get further into the box before he takes it. I think what maybe reminded me of it is just that. He cut it back in on his left foot. He dribbled some guys, and then he he launched this shot versus Zeus. He's even shooting from further out. But yeah, no, I think that's a fair comparison. 
But it was nice to see Tommy do it all and him be rewarded with that goal, which was a beautiful goal. So it it was nice. I'm happy to see that he's starting to find his way in the season. Yeah, definitely. And then it looked like before the half that Sporting had taken the lead as well in the 43rd minute. If you'll remember, uh, Daniel Shallowy cleaned up a rebound and put it into mm-hmm. the net. And then there was that long review. And before before the review had started, though, I, I leaned over and said, this game could get out of hand, as in sporting is just like dominating and they could take it over. And then they took the goal away and I was like, uh-oh, uh, pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen now? You just never know. It could break their momentum. But what's funny is we thought they were reviewing the offside because it seemed pretty clear that Shallowy was offside on the play. But then it was actually, did you see the, the Danny Rosero two hands in the chest shove foul oh yeah i mean it was it was a valid call yeah it's absolutely a foul you know what i tweeted right as it happened was uh after they took the goal away for the foul i said i didn't realize that mls started saying if you have a foul in the lead up to a goal that you could take the goal away because i was still bitter about the whole st louis game where there was fouls (laughs) in the lead up to i don't know half the goals or more oh that's what your tweet meant i didn't really understand (laughs) i do (laughs) remember seeing it but i didn't get it uh, that well, that's where the inconsistent roughing comes in, with the refs not being consistent across the board on what they're calling. Yeah. So speaking of the refing, what did you think about the ref in this game? You know, the one thing I noticed is that there was a lot of handballs in this game, and it took a really long time before one was actually called against Portland. I was thinking the exact same thing. There was one time where it was like a handball, but then the ball fell to Daniel Shallowy. So he played advantage. He like pointed, yeah, like, hey, you have advantage. And then Shallowy shot it and missed the net. And I thought, though, they should still go back and give the yellow card because it would have been a hand. It's a yellow card. If you handle the ball right outside the box like that, right near the goal, they always, <laughs> when I say handle the ball, did you just giggle like you're no. a child? No, I just made the connection. The band Yellow Card, is it are they named after the yellow cards in soccer? Oh my gosh. Is this what this is where your brain is at right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It's a, it's like another mm. it's almost another after dark episode of For the Glory yeah. KC. No, it's uh, a legit thought. Like I don't I just heard yellow card and I thought of the band and I can't believe in all my years of soccer watching, I've never thought of the band when I've heard the term yellow card it's a great question i feel like that's a follow-up question for next week's episode you have to do the okay. research and find the answer so jot, jot that down i i thought it should be a yellow and then i thought there were several other instances where they didn't call handballs and i was like what are we watching right now like how is everybody seeing this like everybody's reacting like how is the referee obscured there was one time on the sideline where I was like, okay, maybe the ref couldn't see it, but his assistant referee was like feet away from where this happened and nothing is called. And it was driving me nuts. And then I don't know if you know this, Sheena, Nemanja Radoya got a yellow card late in the game for a handball. Garbage. You're just nodding. This is a, a Sorry. audio medium. <laughs> Sorry, I got caught up in Googling yellow card, and it is. Of course. Uh, now I got to read it. So it says, yellow, co- yellow card got their name from a phrase they used in high school. Whenever somebody did something stupid at a party, such as drop a beer on the carpet, they enforced soccer rules and gave them a yellow card for committing a party foul. So... How do you if like yellow card even more? I do. We we talk about how we want our daughter to learn the violin intro to some of their songs. I don't know who's into pop punk, but we definitely like it. And yellow card was one of our bands in college. For so sure. yeah, this does make me like them a little more. And I kind of want to do this around the house 
Whenever just one like of us does something stupid, <laughs> yeah. Whenever someone does something stupid, you get a yellow card. <laughs> Maybe we can Im- implement that on the podcast, right? If you mispronounce okay. Marino Johnny's name, you go in the book <laughs> and you do it again, you get sent off. You're out of the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll be fun for everyone to listen to you. So. Yeah. Would it's just me talking alone and no banter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because we anyways. know you're going to get sent off every episode if that's the rule. So. It's true. Although I wrote his name correctly on Twitter a few times yesterday, look but I had you. to really look at his jersey to make sure I did it right. <laughs> it is spelled very uniquely. That's fair. You know what's oh, funny? No, I got the spelling correctly. I just making sure that's his last name and not his first name. And honestly, the jersey might not even really tell you that because there's a lot of players that will wear their first name on the jersey. Like, you know, Dabinia, for example, for the Casey Current, she, that's her first name. She's wearing it on the jersey, though. So Okay, fair. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk about the victory, though. So that that was a goal that didn't count, unfortunately. But in the second half, the team really got going. So in the 61st minute, I wrote this one down because this one really stood out to me. Daniel Shallow had a nice interception. He had a little bit of a give and go with Alan Polito, who nutmegged his defender, played Shallowy back to, you know, played the ball back shallowy, who then had a really nice shot, but it was saved by the keeper, a little kick save there. But then minutes later, it finally opened up. Uh, they had just subbed on Zussi and Leibold recently. They were both in the game. Zussi was a halftime sub, but Leibold had just come on with like maybe the 60th minute, give or take. And Leibold, won le- the left back, passed all the way across the field to the right back, Graham Zussi, who then immediately put a nice ball across to shallowy, who tapped it into the net. I was a little bummed. Janice got that assist for the pass that was like innocuous to Tommy. And it, it a lot happened after before the goal was scored versus this one. Leibold didn't get what we call the hockey assist or the secondary assist. It was just Susie that got the assist, but it was like pass immediately another pass and then a goal. To me, MLS gives out secondary assists. Tim Leibold deserves an assist. But as of the, the game scoring, they had not given it to him sad face. I have no thoughts on that, but I thought the the sequence was really pretty to watch, like the pass from Libel to Zusi and then Zusi to um Shallowy. So I liked it. they were quick passes and that's where I feel like we have the most success is when they just do quick passes to each other. As long as they're on target, they're really they seem to capitalize a lot more. But yeah, it was, I don't have any thoughts on that light bulb being the, the hockey assist or whatever. Fair enough. And I, I agree with you. I think the fast passing is good. The, this is technically a cross, right? Because Zussi sends it in from the outside. But it's not the typical cross that we see from this team where they loft it in the air and it just gets headed away by a defender. And nobody's played... in the area. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. He played it on the ground to Shallow, who's making that diagonal run through the box. Like he's kind of where the striker should be when he gets to that ball. Just really well played and I think much of the beginning of the game was like that too it just they weren't quite coming off but I wasn't upset with it because if you're making those quick passes that's how you're gonna break apart the defense is you're gonna slip a ball through and they did slip the one through like I mentioned where Polito put it through the defender's legs and shallowy immediately shoots and it, it gets kicked away stuff like that I that is more promising soccer. You are much more likely to catch somebody off guard because you're getting the ball and you're keeping the ball in the middle of the field which is actually the fourth goal too. Espinoza plays that through ball to Hernandez at the end and just kind of passes it into the back of the net because they get into such a promising position. Now, Portland kind of probably given up by that anyways, but still, I think it's worth noting. 
Okay, let, let's let's mention the third goal, and then we'll see if you have any other thoughts. Uh, Espinoza picks uh, gets a pass sent to him in the midfield. He does that nice turn. He has some space, and he, he plays kind of a lofted uh, switch to Daniel Shallowy, who plays it to Polito. And then Polito actually does not get the goal because uh, Larice Mabiala uh, came across and tackled Polito and knocked the ball into the net. So own goal, that was in the 68th, right after the goal in the 66th. So they put it away real quick before the late goal from Hernandez. I, I personally liked that Sporting were going for the jugular at the end. I feel like a lot of times they get ahead and they just, let's go in the corner and let's just pass it around and play safe. And I like that they just kept going at Portland and tried to demolish them, so to speak. I like it too. They have a lot of goals they need to make up for. So I wonder if that's part of the strategy or was it to annihilate them to kind of redeem themselves for last week against St. Louis? I personally, my favorite was the Felipe Hernandez goal. I think everyone knows that Remy and Felipe Hernandez are like my two favorite players. And so just seeing Felipe Hernandez get that goal just made me really happy. I don't want to say teary-eyed, but I was really happy. And Did you cry? Ushina and no. I were not together. I was at the game and she was no, at home No, I was like, if I, like the mood had been just slightly different, I could have seen myself getting teary-eyed. Um, but that didn't happen. But yeah. And I think that <laughs> Chaz just laughing. But, but yeah, <laughs> it was your sentence. That's what made me laugh. But I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think it, one thing that I took away is that for once, Peter Vermees used all his subs and they were pretty effective. Zussi had a good game coming on. Espinoza had a great game coming on, which I feel like we ha- haven't seen that in a while. Shelton, not so great. I truly don't understand the Shelton factor and why he was in the game. I guess if Rifa had played Friday night against Sporting Kansas City too, so maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not really sure, but I just feel like, and I, I feel like a broken record, but we should be using our younger guys. And I really like that Janice Marino got the whole start. No, I still did it wrong. You did it backwards. That's a yellow card. That's a yellow card. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I even thought about his jersey, though. Oh, it's, yeah, Marino says his first name. Okay. One day, you guys, I'm going to get it. I feel like I'm the annoying co-host that I can never get things right, but... Yeah, I like that he got the start and that he got to play the whole game. I thought he played fantastic. I I was really excited by him, and I want him to play more. Like, I don't want Johnny Russell to be hurt, but while he's recovering, he has a pretty good backup, I would say. Yeah, you said a lot there that I kind of want to unpack real quick there. So (laughs) I I agree. Let's start with the subs. So you mentioned they they used all five subs. When they did it, it was like the 75th minute or something. I was like, what is happening right now? Like they're they're out of subs with like time to go. Peter never does this. And you know what my thought was? It's because the young guy started. He was willing to take the young guys out. Will he be willing if it's in reverse? Say Tim Leibold is more fit. Like he was only able to play 30 minutes. This is why they played him for 30 what if he's the starter? Will they bring in Denbe on? What if Zussi is the starter? Will they bring Jake Davis or Caden Pierre gets healthy onto the field? I don't know that he will. So it's almost like he has to put his trusted veterans on the bench 
because he does trust them to come in and close out a game versus he does not trust the kids to come in and close out a game. I was thinking the same thing about a free fight. I had missed the game on Friday. We had plans that night and couldn't watch it. And dang MLS next pro. You can only watch it live unless it's on YouTube TV. If it's on Apple. You're like screwed. So that's kind of a bummer. I missed that game and I, I try not to ever miss. Well, you know, KC soccer obsessed, but the Shelton thing, let's talk about that. I thought Kyrie actually, this is the perfect way to use him. Only bring him on at the very end. Let him run really hard and work at these defenders. I thought, honestly, he got the short end of the stick from this referee. It felt like the center backs were like all over him, pulling on him, oh, hooking on him. Mm-hmm. And they just kept calling fouls on Kyrie. I was like, I, I, I said something to the effect of somebody could strangle Kyrie on Portland and then they would give a foul to Kyrie's neck for resisting too much of the strangling or something. It's just like, it's so ridiculous. Like he was just not getting any calls. Then that's that he did have a foul that was legitimately gave him a yellow card because it was his fourth foul in just a few minutes, even though I think the first three fouls were, were kind of garbage. They were all pretty soft and honestly could have gone the other way. And I thought that would have been fair. I feel like you I... said some other third thing, but I well... don't remember. Hold on, let's go back to Kyrie because I noticed that Kyrie was walking at points in the game and kind of standing around. I can't, there was at one point if Kyrie had been running, he could have got the ball in the box. I don't remember who had the ball. I think but, there was a shot and there was like a rebound. And if he had chased it in yeah, like he should as a striker, was, it would have been a, he'd had a chance at least. And he should be running constantly because he's not on for very long. So that was my issue with him. I do agree. He was getting fouled left and right. And I think he was the player. There was some player on sporting who like, I don't want to say they got body slam, but like they were like caught up in the player's legs and like, he kind of got thrown down. And I was like, how was this not a call? Was that Kyrie? Do you know what I'm yeah, talking I think, about? Yeah, I think that was Kyrie. And there was like a time where the defender had him like his arm hooked all the way around him. He's trying to yeah. run away and he goes, he pulls him down basically. And then they called Kyrie for the foul. And I was like, yeah. maybe I can't see because, you know, I'm in that press box angle. So I'm not always getting the best view. You're like looking down. It's kind of like the angle that the camera would be at, right? Just slightly off yeah. to the right. And maybe from the other angle, he's hooking the defender too. And I can't see it. Not possibly. Like I, I didn't watch the broadcast version at all, except for to go look at a few replays. I have it up in the press box, but I'm not watching it live, right? I'm just, I mean, it's a minute behind, so I got to watch what's in front of me. Well, I mean, from what I saw in the broadcast, it, I, it looked like it should have been a foul. Okay, so we both agree at that. You know, what it could be to, to, to defend Kyrie, because almost no one will, and I've definitely crapped on the guy as much as anybody, but he is, this is his first game back off of an injury, so I imagine there is an element of he's not fully fit, but I basically just want to see him on the bench, see him close out games. I think he could have had a goal at one point, had a pass been a little bit better when he was making a run. He was wide open. I think it was Jean mm-hmm. East was coming up the right-hand side. Zussi had like put a ball over the top to him. Oh, yeah. And he just didn't, he didn't beat the defender. Had he beat the defender, like Kyrie was there. He had beaten his guy, but Jean East didn't beat his guy with the pass. But at the same time, it was late in the game. He played really long and hard and he was probably a little tired. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else about this game? All right. Well, I have a couple little closeout thoughts here. So this moves Sporting up another spot. They've now passed the Colorado Rapids in the standings. So them and the Galaxy are both behind them, uh, both in the West and the entire league. Everybody in the Eastern Conference has more points. (laughs) There's just more points going on in the East. But this leaves Sporting KC just three points out of the final playoff spot. How stupid is it that they let nine teams in? indisputably sporting have had a bad season even if they've had a decent run in the last you know three weeks or whatever it is but 
They are only three points out. They do have a negative nine goal differential, which is crazy to think since they got a positive three in this game that they were negative 12 before this game. So they're, they're closing the gap. Like you said, maybe that's why they're going for the jugular. You got to get those goal differential up. That is one of the tiebreakers. And, uh, they have a few teams they're chasing. Portland, who is the last playoff team right now, RSL and Austin, all just three points ahead of sporting. So if things go right, they could be in the playoffs by well, midweek when they beat Dallas. If they beat Dallas. So speaking of Dallas, Sporting only get two days rest. They have to play that game again. But that's really all my thoughts about this. I'll close with this and you can see how you you feel about it. The coach for Portland, Gio Savarese, he said, quote, we had control of the match for the majority of the game. Was Gio watching a different game than you and I were watching? He must have been because I felt like if I'd, I didn't look at the stats at the end of the game, usually they'll show like who had the mo- like more possession and goals on target and all that. And I didn't catch it yesterday, but I would say that's not accurate. Yeah, it's very inaccurate. It would be a better way to say it, right? The possession ended up being 62.9 towards Sporting KC, so almost 63%. That's overwhelming possession. At one point in the first half, it was just a tick under 80%. Sporting's way, like in the 30 something minute. I remember mm-hmm. looking at it and going, wow, what is what is happening here? But it felt right. It felt like they were in control. They're just completely controlling what's going on there. All right, y'all, let's take a quick break and then we will come back with more for the glory, KC. All right, and we are back. So next we're going to talk injuries. We got a lot of bad injury news this week. Um, Alan Polito, Logan Indende, and Danny Rosero all popped up on the injury report. I had a pretty bleak feeling about the Portland game because of that. But then they all played. They all started. So that was good news. Glad to see that they weren't hurt. Ndenbe had an injured ankle, which definitely had to be from that awful tackle that wasn't even called as a foul in the St. Louis game where he gets his ankle rolled on and he's like hobbling around the rest of the game. So that was a little wild. We got an update on Tim Melia, which apparently if we were watching the other broadcasts against St. Louis, we'd have heard this, but we were watching the, the FS1 broadcast. Melia is going to be out for three to four months. So that is basically going to do him in for the rest of the season, potentially. Uh, If he came back four months, the longer timeline, that would mean he'd be back for the last three games. But that's assuming he's fit. Even if it's three months, there's still only a few more games that he'd be making it to. What are your thoughts on those injuries before we talk about other injuries? Yeah, a lot of injuries. Tamilia being out sucks because he was playing good. But, you know, hopefully he makes a speedy recovery and we have two pretty good backup goalies to sub in for him. And I'm wondering at some point if that's going to be a more competitive uh, position. It seems like Peter Vermees prefers McIntosh right now, and he played pretty good yesterday. So I think he'll probably be in Wednesday against Dallas. And then Polito and Dembe and Rosero. Polito and Rosero played the whole game yesterday, so I think they're okay. And then Ndembe did come out for Leibold, so I don't Polito know. Polito came that... out as well. That's for Kyrie, remember? Oh, your... that's right. Yeah, that's right. He came in for or came out for Shelton. So, yeah, but it seems like Rosero must be doing the best out of both of them. One thing we haven't talked about is I love how physical Rosero is, and we saw that yesterday, and it gives me like flashbacks of how Roger Espinosa used to play, and I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah, I think uh, Rosero is definitely very physical, maybe a little out of control at times with some of his collisions yeah, I don't and care. whatnot. I like it. But yeah, you need an element of like 
a little roughness because I think most of this team doesn't play very physical anymore and they're trying to play pretty soccer, quick passes. And when the ref isn't making calls, it, it really can compound and hurt you. I had a good conversation at the game about the whole St. Louis loss. And I, I think I had chalked it up to bad refing and they were on short rest and things. But then I was also kind of just wondering, can sporting the way they play defeat St. Louis? Because is a team like St. Louis that presses and forces turnovers, are they just destined to beat a team like sporting who is inevitably going to make a couple mistakes in a game? If they capitalize on those mistakes, they might undo them. So a little bit of time before that rematch, we got to talk to Daniel Shallowy after the game. And he said that they, you know, they wanted to put that behind them, but that they're really focused on St. Louis when they see him again in September. And they say, Hey, we got three matches against them this year. We're down the first one. Uh, we got to win these other two to win the, the initial series. So I thought that's good that they seem to have a, a focus on it, even though it's far off into the future. The other two injuries that we have to mention were surprises. They were not on the injury report on Wednesday, but then they both missed the game. Uh, Johnny Russell, who Sheena mentioned earlier, he apparently hurt his hamstring in practice on Friday, hence why he wasn't on the injury report. And then your boy, Remy Voltaire, had back spasms and had to sit out the game. I will tell you, I saw Remy after the game. He was at the stadium. It looked like he was doing good. He was carrying his own bag out of there. So, uh, Hopefully it's nothing too bad for me. So we should see Remy Wednesday. He should be ready to go Wednesday, but Russell, probably not. Not going to see him. Muscle strains are always tougher. I'm pretty sure Russell was at the game too. I think they panned in at, to him at some when um, somebody scored maybe Shallowy. I don't remember. That's his buddy and their buddies. Yeah. You know, I think they, I don't know if you have to come to the game, but I. it seems like they have a good you culture should. and they always come to the game. Yeah. Uh, I saw Tim Melia. He was with his two little kids and they were up in the press box. They were actually trying to get on Daniel Sperry's laptop when he wasn't around. I forgot to tell Daniel this, that Tim's son <laughs> was like trying to get to the screen. You know how it is. Kids see screens yeah. and they want to touch buttons and things. And Tim was like corralling his children. It was pretty cute. So That's you know. really cute. I'm glad Remy's injury isn't super serious though. I mean, he deserves a break. I think he had the longest sporting streak for most active games played up until yesterday. So I think he had played every single league game ever Mm -hmm. since he's been on the team. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they were saying. So he deserves a break. I mean, that's a pretty good track record, but you know, I'm glad they didn't have him play. Yeah. And I think that'll be interesting to see because with the short rest, Gotti Kenda still doesn't look super fit, right? He had to be subbed out. I think that was a halftime sub, if I'm not mistaken. And they, it's just something to kind of keep an eye on, right? Kenda's still working his way back to fitness. Tommy never seems to quite have a full 90 in him, right? He was like kind of labored towards the end and they subbed him out for Felipe, who ends up getting that goal. Congrats there to Philly. And uh, so, I don't know, you know, it's going to be something to watch because, but it makes me feel better that Espinosa came on and played really well, had two assists. Um, Hernandez came on and played really well, gets the goal. So that's a deep position. That's a really deep position. It is. And I feel like it takes some pressure off Remy because I feel like he's such a consistent player that he's been in games and maybe this means that he'll be able to get subbed off more instead of having to play all 90 minutes. So I'm glad that Felipe Hernandez was on it. I've been very puzzled by the fact he hasn't been coming on as a sub because he is a hustler. And if anything, kind of like Kyrie, like we should be having those hustlers on the field and just run in rather we're up, you know, winning or losing like, cause they can be game changers. So I'm glad he was able to come in yesterday. Yeah. Peter talked about Hernandez specifically. We didn't even ask about him, just kind of highlighted him after the game saying, 
he was kind of in that same boat of some of these other guys trying to do too much because they're missing so many guys. He's trying to overcompensate and he could just let the quality around him show itself and he can play his part in there. And then he made a really nice run and Roger turned, saw him and, and played a good pass. Now Portland, you know, probably napping a little bit at the end because they're falling apart, but still well executed. Keep going for the throat sporting that's what i want to mm. see all right cool. so that's enough sporting kc talk now we're going to talk kc current sheena literally did not watch this game so we're going to make okay it wait in all fairness to me you started watching we had plans friday night <laughs> and chad was watching the game at like 1 a.m and i was exhausted so yeah i didn't watch the game but i i learned the next day what the outcome was so therefore you decided you didn't want to watch it because they well, lost yeah, I mean, I this is where my casualness comes in is that I it's been a really busy last few weeks and unfortunately Casey Curran has been when I'm busy and I can't watch the games live, I don't really have the desire to go back, especially because they've been losing. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, it is Casey tough. Curran. It's hard it's hard to watch them for sure right hey, now. They go But ahead. I'm going to the game on Saturday for Pride Night, so That's true. We're all gonna be there. So maybe yeah. we'll run into some folks. All right. Well, we're let's not going to be there together, though. You're ditching. I mean, me. we're going to ride together. We're gonna yeah, you... but you're not sitting with me. Well, you have other rude. people to sit with. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's rude. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's talk about the game. Uh, I'll keep it quick here. So the Houston Dash won two to nothing. Uh, they had a goal in the 42nd minute. Diana Ordonez from the Mexican national team. Uh, Addison Merrick, who I've been kind of picking on a lot. She's not been playing great. She keeps on the player that gets the pass to break the line. She is nowhere near her other defender. She's so far behind them that it allows that player to stay on side, which messes everything else up because all the other defenders aren't there. Croy uh, Soto then has a chance to break up the play because there's still more passes after the onside. And she even goes to ground, but doesn't stick her leg out to block the shot. If I think if she sticks her legs out, it's probably not a goal. It was it was awkward. I don't know if she just kind of fell weird or what the case was, but that was one nothing. And then shortly after the half, in the 54th minute, they scored on just a, a corner kick. It was kind of sad. Uh, Merrick, again, she's the defender on the back post. She doesn't end up getting in front of the play. And then Michelle Cooper is her runner that she loses track of. But Basically, nobody on the current jumped. The ball just went over everybody and into the net. You just got to get in the way. You got to make it messy on set pieces. You know, just try to get ahead on things and, and deflect it. Throw off their run, right? So that was a little depressing. That said, after they got down to nothing, I don't know what it is. The current just, they, they get behind and they want to, they get going. They come back to life a little bit. So in the 70th minute, they earned a penalty kick. However, VAR terribly done in NWSL still, as we talk about on every freaking episode, they <laughs> took it away for offside. Uh, the one review they showed, they did a freeze frame after the ball had already left the player's foot. It might've been Lola Bonta that made the pass. I can't remember right now. And the player still looks on even with the ball already away from her foot. So imagine if they go back to the kick point where it touches her, then she should be even more onside. So I don't, know what they're doing i don't know how they end up taking that away Dabinia had earned a pk and then you know no one got to take it because of var there was an uncalled handball in the box in the 89th minute which would have been another penalty but if it got reviewed it wasn't obvious like play restarted very quickly after it had gone out of bounds on that but 
the current were all over them late. They just are so shaky on defense. I, we were talking about this last week, like who would we trade to potentially get another defender on this team? And I don't know if they're going to trade. They, they've been a pretty active team over the last few years in terms of trades and making moves and signings. But then I was starting to think about it. Elizabeth Ball should be pretty close to coming back. She was supposed to come back around when Kristen Hamilton did, but Hamilton's now played in two games. And Alex Loetta would be coming back a little bit after her. She's probably a defensive midfielder, but did play a lot of center back last year. They're going to need her to play center back, in my opinion. If you get back Ball, put her next to Robinson, you go to a back four, or you get back Ball and Loetta, and you play them in a back three, I think that that could work okay. Robinson is by far the best of the center backs that are healthy on the roster right now, and she's a rookie too. So I think there's chances, but the problem is they're just the run the current are running out of time there's just not a lot of season left and the season's only 22 games long unlike the 34 game mls season so there needs to be some urgency they have a pretty abysmal record at, at two and six right now eight games in you're only three games from the midpoint of the season and they're so far down the table Sheena, you look like you want to jump in did you have a thought well, I was going to ask you a question. We kind of talked about this, you and I, at some point in our time together this weekend, but maybe you could just give your thoughts to the For the Glory KC listeners on, do you think it was a mistake to fire the coach and to have Caroline as the interim coach? Or do you think there's potential? Like, what are your thoughts so far? on that i don't know enough about caroline to pick on her and say that she's a mistake to let her be the coach but i definitely think it was a mistake to fire matt potter it didn't make sense to me to fire him after three games and then caroline even said that they literally implemented his game plan hours after the firing they played the dash in the challenge cup and they won that game so matt potter's game plan worked then they won their next two league games and then that's it. They've lost all their games since then. I misspoke. I said they're two and six, they're two and seven. So they're actually only two games away from the middle of the season. They're dead last in the standings. And they got they're eight points out of the last playoff spot. It's it's a much steeper climb in the NWSL because only only half the teams get in versus in MLS, it's over sixty percent of the teams. So that that makes a difference, right? If they didn't have to climb as far, they could get up there a little quicker. But they're gonna have to go on a run like they did last year to be able to recover where they went thirteen unbeaten. And that's just really, really tough to do, even if all these players that have been injured get back. But I think it was a mistake. I think the roster building is a little suspect. They are so thin in defense versus how stacked they are in the midfield and the forwards. But they're getting behind, which causes them to have trouble scoring versus if a game is level, there's more of a chance usually to get a goal versus when you're behind, the other team can just they can play defensively and they can bunker and they're just behind all the time because their defense makes too many mistakes. If any, if the season keeps going the way it is, I have to imagine the general manager is going to end up losing her job, Cammy, because she's the one that had a say in firing Matt Potter. She built this roster. She's signing these players and it's just not good enough right now. If they wanted to do a trade, is that the general manager's decision or does Caroline as the in interim coach have the ability to seek a trade? Do you, you know, know? It, it kind of varies from team to team in terms of the structure and how the reporting goes. I would assume it's uh, Cami, the Camille, uh, the general manager has the say in the trades, but I would think the coach would have some input. I hope you wouldn't go trade for players that they wouldn't want, although you hear stories about sending away players that they were really relying on. And, you know, sometimes the general managers making deals without the coach's input. 
I, I don't know. I don't know how involved ownership is. You know, you always hear about like in the NFL, some owners are getting involved and in making things. Oh, you got to draft this player. You got to trade for this player, whatever the case may be. So that, that could be the case. I don't know. We don't really hear much about like the longs or Brittany Mahomes over here trying to get in and get involved in a trade, but something's got to give, something's got to change. I found myself wondering if one of these many, many midfielders on the team that are more defensive in nature could maybe play center back in a back three, not because they're big like a center back typically is but because they're smarter and more organized like they just have good soccer football knowledge you know so to speak i don't know if morgan Gatro is like big enough to stand up to that but i know she reads the game really well and she's about to come back i think they got to do something different it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal watching this yeah come- i agree hopefully they start to find their way though yeah they will they have to or it's going to be a, a miserable year at least one of the teams is doing good again so sporting casey that's a nice save a couple other quick things i had from the game that i wanted to mention uh kristen hamilton got 30 minutes in this game and it, they did look a lot better with her on the field so i'm hoping once she's able to start Maybe that'll push this team to another level. She's not always a huge score. I think she had seven goals last year, which is actually pretty good. But she just makes everybody better around her. I feel like she works so hard and makes runs and opens things up for other people. Uh, we had some big saves again from Cassie Miller. The game actually could have been much worse than the 2 nothing score line that it was. She got the start over French. Man, they're so injured. They had two goalkeepers on the bench, even though there's almost no scenario ever where you use both goalkeepers uh, off the bench. And then I had a thought, Sheena, and I don't know if you've watched enough or thought about this enough to to have a thought, but I was thinking to myself, Dabinia, she's a superstar. The team has actually gotten worse with her, though, which is weird. And I was wondering, does she, A, does she do too much? Because she has these things where she'll make kind of clever little backheel passes or whatever, but then they get intercepted. Or she tries to dribble too much and they get, they get stolen from her. Or... Does the team rely on her to do too much? They're not doing the things they were doing right last year where there's this team ball, the team is the star, and they're just like, oh, let's just get the ball to Dabinia and let her do her thing. And if maybe that making the team worse. She's like the Eric Tommy of uh, Casey Current where she's trying to do it all. And I feel like when the team is rallying around their star, that's that's a a lot of pressure for the st- for the player so it's a lot of pressure for Dabinia and i have to assume she's being covered like at least by one person on opposing teams if not double covered so i think that also puts you in a situation where you're more likely to see mistakes and hence why maybe she's losing the ball so i i don't know it's tough i know that she's a really good player but i feel like you see the greatness in her, but I don't think we've seen the realm of it because they're so bad. And maybe it's because they're putting so much pressure on her and not that she can't handle it, but it's just harder when the ball is constantly coming to you. And maybe she should stop doing cute little back passes and stuff like that. I It's cool when those types of passes like like play out, but when they don't work, it's just like, oh, you were trying to be too cute. I don't, yeah, I don't I have a lot of thoughts on this. So Yeah, no, no. I think those are good takes, though. I, I think, um, personally, maybe they just haven't learned to play with her, too, right? Like, sh- they don't know she's going to do these clever flicks, so they're not getting into the right spots because they're not ready for it. And over more time, that that'll come together. But the season's just not very long, and it's it might be too late this year. It's, it's crazy to think that I, I was saying it's championship or bust for this team, and right now it looks like big bust. Not even... 
because they're going to fall short in the playoffs. They might not even get to the playoffs. It's it's crazy to think about. All right, y'all. It is time for the digital crawl. Let's get in. We just got a couple quick items, and we'll get you out of here. We're going to do quick this time for sure. Chris Penso, the referee from the Sporting KC St. Louis City game, may have gotten a punishment. Pro referees never really say if a, a ref gets punished. But after being the ref that had ref the most games as a center official in the 2023 season, he was not on the schedule this weekend. Now, it was Memorial Day weekend. Maybe he just took vacation. But I'm choosing to believe that this is pro-punishing Penso for a, an atrocious game against Sporting back uh, the previous weekend. So uh, let me have this one, y'all. The other thing I have for y'all on the crawl is Johnny Russell is the only Sporting KC player to make the top 25 best-selling jerseys in all of Major League Soccer. He came in at number 22 on the list, and I'm not bitter, but one spot ahead of St. Louis's first player, Zhao Klaus. So suck on that, St. Louis City. All right, <laughs> the schedule for the week, y'all probably want to know. Sporting Kansas City have a double game week, as we referenced. They first play FC Dallas on Wednesday. Not Dallas FC, Sheena. Get that in your head already. It's FC Dallas. They're going to play know. at 7.30 at Children's Mercy Park. Then... Sporting KC2 go on the road at the Vancouver Whitecaps 2 on Friday, June the 2nd, 9 p.m. KC Current are back at home against the North Carolina Courage, that aforementioned Pride Night that we'll be attending Saturday, June 3rd at 7.30. And then Sporting KC goes on the road at the Vancouver Whitecaps Saturday, June 3rd at 9.30 p.m. But if you've made it this far and you are not already a subscriber, please sure to subscribe. You can find us anywhere you get the good podcast search for the glory kc if you enjoyed the show be sure to give us a five-star rating and review uh if you want you can follow us on social media at for the glory kc on instagram facebook twitter email us for the glory kc at gmail.com we might answer your questions right here on the show follow me on twitter at play for 90 and here is christian leo playing us out with ride it like you need it take care everybody bye